this is Steve with Life Worth Living. You know, when the Holy Spirit fills you or baptizes you, you definitely change. And a church whose people have been filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized with the Holy Spirit, are definitely going to be different as well. Instead of being self-reliant or reliant on talent, they're going to be reliant on the Holy Spirit, on the power of the Holy Spirit and on the direction of the Holy Spirit as well. So listen in today and see how the infilling of the Holy Spirit can change you and your church. All right, well, we're going to continue talking about how God wants to clothe himself with you. Remember that from last week, if you were here, he wants, this this is a strange concept. It, It might be a little foreign. He wants to clothe himself with you. Many times we talk about, God, I want you to fill me, but the picture of him clothing himself with you leaves very little of you and a whole lot of God, a whole lot of Jesus in you. And that's what Acts 2 is all about. The pouring out of the Holy Spirit, filling you so that you're just bubbling over and a changed person, and enthused and excited about the things of God in your life. And that's what Acts chapter 2 is. And we, we kind of started that last week. We saw how uh, it looks like about 100, 120 people were either in the upper room, as my dad pointed out on Wednesday, maybe in the temple courts. One way or another, they were together there. We find out at about 9 o'clock in the morning maybe even eating breakfast. We have no idea if they were necessarily even praying together when it says that the sound of a blowing violent wind filled the place they were in and where they were sitting and tongues of fire came down (laughs) and rested on top of their, I guess, above their heads. I'm not totally sure what that would have looked like. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they started speaking in other languages. Absolutely amazing story event, I might add, in the Bible, and they began to declare the wonders of God in different languages. Unbelievable. They were changed forever, and we're going to continue that that event, that story that we find there in Acts 2, starting in verse 14. We find that Peter, and we're just going to throw up the the whole uh, part of Acts chapter 2 and just kind of walk through it today, pointing out some really important things. But we find that after all these people from all around the world that were gathered there in Jerusalem because it was a holiday, it was Pentecost, it was a, a holiday of the harvest, a holiday of weeks, they, were, they all start hearing all these people speaking their languages and declaring the wonders of God. And what does Peter do? He's one of the, remember, one of the 12 disciples, apostles. He stands up and he raises his voice and addresses the crowd. He starts street preaching. Have you ever seen a, 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 a street preacher before? My experiences with street preachers is fairly bad. All right. I, I got out of my car once and this guy starts coming at me with a big old sign saying that I'm going to hell and the end of the world is coming. I'm, that's my concept of street preaching is freaks, weirdos. All right. This was different, though. Peter gets up, he raises his voice, and he starts addressing the crowd, not in a condemning way, but in an incredibly blessed way. He says, fellow Jews. He doesn't say, you you're, you losers. No, he's, he immediately engages them as one of 
just like him, just a normal, ordinary guy. He says, all of you living here in Jerusalem, let me explain what's going on here. He says, listen carefully to what I have to say, because they'd been accused of being drunk. All right. He says, these people aren't drunk. As you might suppose, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. You know, people get drunk on the weekends. They get drunk at at night, not at nine o'clock in the morning. Now I want to pause there just for a second. I want you to I want you to see who this guy is. All right. This is Peter, the fisherman. This is Peter, the guy that that totally blew Jesus off when he was betrayed. And in fact, if, if you read through the story, he's the one that he, he was in the courtyard and, and Jesus was about to be tried before his death. And, G, and Peter denied Jesus three times. Someone, someone came up to him and said, you sound, you have a Galilean accent just like he does. And he started calling down curses on himself and saying, I don't even know the guy. This is Peter. He, that's this Peter. And when times got really tough, he ran, he ran off. He abandoned Jesus, his closest friend, his savior, his Messiah. He abandoned him. That's the same Peter that stood up here with boldness. Absolutely amazing. And here's what I'm finding out. The Holy Spirit makes a difference in your life. He's going to make you bold. He's going to make you brave. He's going to make you courageous. He's going to make you excited. You might be a timid person. Hey, the Holy Spirit's going to change your life. He's the difference maker. This Peter was a different person after he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And you will be too. Did you hear me? I didn't say you can be. I said you will be. You know why? Because I believe you and we and us, we're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit and our lives are going to totally, completely change. All right? In fact, my experience is interesting. You know, before I really followed Jesus, I was the shyest, most backward, quiet person that you would ever know. In fact, I remember telling my parents, um, I associated a preacher and a missionary with two things, a salesperson and a public speaker. And I vaguely remember telling my dad when I was a teenager, there's two things I don't want to be in life. I don't want to be a public speaker and I don't want to be a salesman. And what I was telling my dad is I don't want to preach. <laughs> I don't want to get up in front of people and talk about the word of God. That's not what I want to do. You know what? When the Holy Spirit got into my life, I changed. And I changed almost instantly. I went from being a follower to being a leader. I went from shy, not to outgoing, but being okay with talking to people and certainly with getting up in front of people. I went from I wouldn't tell somebody about Jesus to going out on the streets by myself, going up. This was in Waxahachie, Texas, close to Dallas. There was a street where the teenagers would cruise. They would get in their cars and they just go up and down on Friday nights and they drunk, you know, drink and, and crowds or whatever. I went out on the streets by myself. The Holy Spirit had done a work in my life and I went car to car telling people about Jesus. That's the difference that the Holy Spirit will make in your life when you start saying, God, clothe yourself with me. God, fill me with all of your spirit. 
He makes a difference in your life. In fact, in 2 Timothy 1.9, I, I say this, I give this scripture frequently, but it's so good. Look at it carefully. It says, for God has not given you a spirit of timidity or of fear or of anxiousness or of wanting to hide. No, he's given you a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline or a sound mind. That's the Holy Spirit of God, and he wants to fill you, and when he fills you, you're going to like yourself a lot more. (laughs) Have you ever not liked yourself very much? (laughs) I have. I've looked in the mirror and said, I don't like what I see. I don't like the person that I am. But when the Holy Spirit gets into your life, he starts changing you, and I guarantee you're going to start liking yourself better. So the Spirit changes you, but we read on here. In uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 16, Peter starts preaching. This fisherman, this backwards guy, this obn- I think he was obnoxious if you read through uh, some of the times when he was a disciple of Jesus in the early days. But he says this. No, this is, he's, he's describing to all these people out in the street or the temple or wherever he's at. He says, no, what you see here is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. Now, Joel is a book in the Old Testament, a minor prophet book. And Joel was a prophet of hundreds of years prior. And it turns out that he foretold the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, because Peter knows about it. He says, look, this is what the book of Joel says. He says, in the last days, God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. Your young men are going to see visions. Your old men are going to dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women I will pour out my spirit in those days. By the way, those days are these days. Praise God. It says, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens, and I will show signs in the earth or on the earth. Blood and fire, billows of smoke. The sun will turn to darkness, the moon to blood, before the coming of the great and glorious day of our Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. A prophecy in Joel. You can read it for yourself. In fact, it's in Joel 2, verses 28 through 32. Prophesied hundreds of years, and here's Peter recognizing through the Holy Spirit that this is the fulfillment of that prophecy in that time. You know what I like about this? Let's just look at these scriptures. I like about God is he doesn't discriminate. You know, we have these... EOC complaints and in businesses and companies. Oh, they don't. They didn't. They didn't give me a raise because I'm a woman, right? They didn't give me a raise because I'm not the. You know, my color. The my skin isn't the right color. You know what? With God, there's no discrimination. Isn't that cool? He doesn't. In fact, he he might discriminate the opposite. <laughs> if you're if you're not quite up to snuff compared to everybody, you're the person God chooses. You're not as smart. You don't feel as smart. God chooses you because of that. You've been set to the side by others. God picks you. That's the kind of God we serve. He doesn't discriminate. And then I love it also that this gift, as I've mentioned, was foretold in the Old Testament. It was an expected event. And you know what? We got it even better. (laughs) It was was prophesied 
And then we've seen it happen and read about it. Guess what? It's for us today as well. The Holy Spirit is for you today. The gift, the promise of the Holy Spirit, the baptism and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it's for you. It's for me today. I love that. It says in the last days. Hey, guess what? We're in the last days. I mean, look at what's going on. Good grief. You know, California looks like it's about to fall into the ocean. (laughs) with all the stuff that's going on there. We have more hurricanes than we've ever seen, more earthquakes, more more wars. It's, It's bad news. Guess what? It's prime time for the Holy Spirit to be poured out in our lives like you wouldn't even believe. I don't know about you. I want the Holy Spirit to fill me to overflowing. I want God to clothe himself with me, and I want him to clothe himself with you too, all of us. All right, but look at this. It says that your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Let's look at this word prophesy. It again, it says, mentions they will prophesy. What on earth is prophecy? Do you know? Do you know what prophecy is? I think the first thing that comes to mind whenever we think of prophecy is a prediction or a foretelling of something that's going to happen. There's been all kinds of prophecies. You know, the last, I remember back before the 2000s, before the millennium, uh, you know, we shifted into the 2000s. There's the 1999, all the computer systems were going to shut down. It's called Y2K. Man, we were preparing ourselves for Armageddon, man. The whole world was going to shut down. (laughs) And there was this prediction that this was going to happen. Guess what? We switched into the year 2000 and nothing happened. (laughs) Everything worked out. Part of it was the companies prepared themselves and did whatever they needed to do in their computer systems. But that prediction fell flat on its face. All right? Let me tell you what. When God says something is going to happen, it's going to happen. His prophecies are true. You can bank on them. They're going to happen. But the other aspect of prophecy is not just foretelling, but forthtelling. Forthtelling. What is forthtelling? Well, I would tell you that forthtelling is every bit as important, possibly even more important than foretelling. And this is what your sons and your daughters are going to do. This is what you are going to do. You're going to hear from heaven. You're going to get a perspective from heaven And you're going to tell other people about it. You're going to see how God sees things instead of how you see things. And in fact, let me read it word for word. Fourth telling is to explain the present, the present circumstances, situations that we're in from God's perspective and bring God's people into a place of being overcomers and full of purpose, full of purpose. And I'm not bragging, I'm not complaining, but every Sunday morning I get up here to prophesy to you, (laughs) to try to give you God's perspective as best I can. I'm human, I'm flawed, I'm, I'm a mess sometimes, but to give you a perspective of what God sees, the way God sees stuff. And I hope every Sunday morning you get up here, you walk out of here with a little bit more faith than what you walked in with a little bit better perspective. You see, the devil and your life and your own self gets you pushed down into the mud. You get into negativity, into doubt, into hopelessness, helplessness, fear. God doesn't want you to have a spirit of fear. He wants you to be an overcomer, victorious, despite all the messes that this world has to offer. 
And see, forthtelling is so important. I believe in some form or fashion, every Christian should be a prophet. They should have the Spirit of God filling them so they get a higher perspective and they can see what needs to be seen. But that's what it says. The Holy Spirit is going to fill us. Your young, your, your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. And I'm telling you, God wants to anoint your life. He wants to come over you, on you, and in you, and change you forever. He wants you to see things in a different way. In a different way. In Acts 15, 32, we get kind of a view of this, but there's two guys, Judas and Silas, and it says there in Acts 15, 32, eventually we'll get to the scripture and read a little bit more carefully, but it describes them as prophets. They were prophesying because they were filled with the Spirit, and what did they do as a result of being prophets? They encouraged and strengthened the brothers and sisters. And I tell you what, I think in some form or fashion, every one of us should be strengthening and encouraging everybody. I listened to a podcast this week that blessed me so much. We need to lift people up. They're pushed down enough already in their marriages, possibly, and in their thoughts. And so what somebody told them when they were a little kid, you need to take people and lift them up, encourage them, strengthen them, tell them that God loves them, tell them that they have a bright future ahead of them, tell them that God is going to help them if they will let God help them. Lift people up, be an encourager and be a supporter of people. Well, anyways, it goes on here in this, in this prophecy in Joel. It also talks about signs and wonders being, signs and wonders being commonplace in the end times. And I find it interesting in Mark 16, verses 17 through 18, that it tells us there in, 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 in Mark that these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. <laughs> they will... Did you hear about the, I guess, the shooting in California and Los Angeles? Ten, ten people dead, ten people in critical condition. I don't know what the numbers are right now. Let me tell you what. If you don't believe in demon possession, you're crazy. <laughs> Who in their right mind would go into a Walmart in El Paso, Texas, and mow down 18 people or go into uh, this, this Lunar New Year celebration and mow down people? Only a demon-possessed person would do something like that. Only a demon-possessed person. So these signs are going to accompany those who are filled with the Spirit and believe. They're going to cast out demons out of people. Don't you want to see people set free? Wouldn't you like to see somebody's mind turn from complete depression and suicidal thoughts into light, happy, light-heartedness, believing in God? I sure do. God wants to use you to see people delivered. All right. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents and they will drink deadly poison. In other words, they will do dangerous things or seemingly dangerous things and it won't even harm them. Why? Because they're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. I love that. It won't harm them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And I'll tell you in the coming weeks, we're going to be talking about the gifts of the Spirit God wants to gift you, not just with one gift, probably with many gifts, and see you on a day-to-day operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I didn't say your talents. I didn't say your talents. I said your gifts, and we're going to talk about that, and I'm not going to get into that today. But Peter goes on. Brave Peter, 
courageous Peter. He says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles and wonders and signs, just like we were talking about, which God did among you through him, uh, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. This is an event that had just happened about 50 days earlier. This was news in Israel, in, in Jerusalem. Everybody knew what had happened. So he was not talking about something that happened, you know, two years ago. This was recent news. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And let me tell you what, as you as a man of God, as a woman of God, you know, depression can't hold you down anymore. Sickness can't hold you down anymore. Praise God. You know, those thoughts that come against you and tell you you're a nobody, that you haven't, you're not good enough. You couldn't do this. You couldn't keep your marriage together. You couldn't keep your finances straight. It can't hold you any longer. You're a child of God. It can't hold you anymore. And just like death couldn't hold Jesus down, but God raised him from the dead. All right. And, and David said of him, okay, it's interesting. Here's Peter, a fisherman, not unlearned, not a super smart guy, probably. He's already quoted one set of scriptures, apparently by memory. And then he flips over into Psalm 16, and he quotes from Psalm 16. He says, I saw the Lord always before him, before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. And he's quoting David, who is king, but apparently a prophet as well, who is looking forward hundreds of years to one of his offspring, Jesus Christ, and saying, your Holy One is not going to see decay. He's going to be raised in three days. He's going to be raised, physically raised in three days. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will, find, you will fill me with joy in your presence. You know, there's several things that I get from these scriptures. And one of them is just by personal experience. When you read the Bible, guess what? If you read it without the Holy Spirit, it doesn't make an ounce of sense. You look at it. I don't even know what this thing is talking about. This book's yay thick. And it's complicated is complex I don't even know where to start there's the Old Testament New Testament I, all these people wrote it is it even real I'll tell you what the Holy Spirit will make the Bible come alive to you he'll make it come alive to you but you and I have to take the first step to read the Bible to read the Bible can I tell you stop using the excuse that you don't comprehend or you can't remember what you read or don't use that excuse. Just pick up the Bible and start reading it. We all get texts. If you sign up for it, we all get texts every day, every weekday that tells you where to read. So hey, that excuse is off there. You just look at the text and read that, that scripture there. But pick up the Bible and read it, and the Holy Spirit is going to make it come alive to you. You're going to start hearing from God for yourself. You, you see, you don't need me. To hear from God, you don't need a priest or a pastor. You have a direct line to God through the Holy Spirit. 
You have a direct line. And so the Holy Spirit brings the Bible to life. And that's what happened to Peter. He had heard about Joel growing up as a young Jew. He had heard about the Psalms. But somehow, way, the Holy Spirit made these scriptures come to life to him. And he understood them and understood the context as well. But there, it also says in that last verse, in verse 28 of Psalm 16, it says, You will fill me with joy in your presence. The Holy Spirit is the very presence of God. The Holy Spirit. I used to say, God, I wish I could just see you. I wish I could hear you. I wish I could, you know, touch you, see you. Have all these, the five senses. You know what's better than your five senses? Is your sixth sense, your spiritual sense. It's far more filling, far, far more satisfying. You're here today because you're developing your sixth sense of spiritual interaction, interfacing with the Spirit of God. Man, I'll tell you what, God's stirring your heart right now. He's stirring you up and saying, you know what, you're saying, I want more of God. I'm interested in the things of God. I'm curious about the things of God. But the presence of God is the very Spirit of God. And you know what, you can say, well, some days I don't feel anything. Well, guess what, some days I don't feel anything either. It's not about feeling, it's about reality. God exists. The Holy Spirit is here. If you've asked Jesus into your heart, the Holy Spirit is literally inside your life, inside your mind. He's active in your life. And it's a reality. You know, I don't always feel my wife's love. Did you know that? You know, sometimes it's not that I don't think she hates me or doesn't love me, but the reality is she loves me. I don't have to feel it. That's just a plain old reality. And some nights when you're insomnia, do you ever have insomnia where you can't sleep? And you're laying there and the clock's ticking and it's three o'clock. Do you ever wonder, is the sun ever going to (laughs) rise? Well, you may not feel like it's going to rise, but the reality is the sun is coming up in the morning. All right. The Holy Spirit's the same way. You don't have to feel him 24-7 to know that he is real and he is with you, and that he's helping you. Praise God. You have joy in his presence. His presence is just a reality. It's more than a feeling. Believe me, there's times when you feel the Spirit of God, but it doesn't always have to be that way for you to know it. Well, let's continue on with Peter's street preaching in verse 29. He says, fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that our patriarch David, the old king, he did die, even though he said, You're not going to abandon me to the grave. He said, he did die and he's buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne, his son, Jesus Christ. He said, seeing what was to come, that's prophecy, seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay, God raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. (laughs) All witnesses of it, man. This dude's on fire. He exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and now has poured it out so that you now can see it and hear it. In other words, you heard that sound of a mighty blowing wind. You see us talking in other languages and understand what we're saying. You're seeing and experiencing the outpouring of the Holy Spirit right here, right now. And it, it, it goes back to what Jesus had told them. Just, just 
two and a, maybe a month and a half earlier in Acts 1.8, Jesus told them, he says, you are going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. And here's Peter standing in front of all these people being a witness, being a witness. In other words, what he had seen, touched, felt, experienced of what was going on. He was a witness. And let me tell you what, God wants you to be a witness. And we've all heard of the Jovis witnesses, right? I was walking down the street the other day, and here's some well-dressed couples going up and down the neighborhood, knocking on your door. Have you ever received a, a visit from them? All right. Or the, the Mormon folks, you know, knocking on your door, trying to witness. I'll tell you what, a witness is spontaneous. You're in Walmart. You're, you're there with the, the cashier. You give her a smile, and you say, you know what? God loves you. You're being a witness. Or you go to somebody, you've just experienced a little miracle, a big miracle, and you can't help tell people about what God has done for you. That's being a witness. All right? If you're feeling a glow inside and you're on fire for Jesus and you just smile at somebody, you're being a witness. Be a witness. That's that's what the Holy Spirit does. He empowers you to share the love of Jesus Christ with everybody around you at school, at work, with your family, in difficult situations, all right? That's what Peter was doing. That's what God wants us to do. He goes on, he says that Jesus was exalted, the right hand of God, received from God the Holy Spirit that was poured out here. And so, um, so I'm sorry, it was in Acts 1.8. He said, you shall be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, in Samaria, to the remotest parts of the earth. All right, but back to, back to Acts 2 and verse 34. For David did not ascend up to heaven, and yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit here at my right hand. <laughs> David said to the Lord, my Lord. Man, it's, it's mind-boggling <laughs> the way Scripture reads sometimes. But he says, sit here, and I'm going to make your enemies a footstool to you. I'm going to make them a footstool. Therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this, that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And here are all these thousands of people that are listening to Peter Street preach. It's, the Bible says they're cut to the heart. They're cut to the heart. And what that means is the Holy Spirit convicted them of their sins. Have you ever experienced conviction where you're like, oh, God, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry I messed up. I'm so sorry I've gone down the wrong path, made the wrong decisions. They're cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? (laughs) What shall we do? And here's what I find. The Holy Spirit gets people's attention, even those who aren't paying attention. Isn't that crazy? Even when people aren't paying attention, the Holy Spirit can get their attention. Do you have a loved one that you've been praying for forever that just, oh, they won't give their heart to Jesus. They won't make the right decisions. They keep making the same bad decisions over and over again. The Holy Spirit is going to get their attention. The Holy Spirit of God, he doesn't, he, he can go through hard you know, hard hearts, distracted minds, uh, addictions, and he can get their attention. So start praying with the Holy Spirit to get their attention. 
praise God. They said, brothers, what shall we do? And so then look at his answer. But I want to ask a question before we read Peter's, Peter's answer. All right. And it's this. Let's throw it up on the screen. Who is the gift of the Holy Spirit for? All right. Was it just back then, 2,000 years ago? Or possibly is the gift of the Holy Spirit for us as well today? Let's see what the answer that Peter gives tells us. Peter replied, repent and be baptized. All right. Who is this for? It's for the person who repents. What is repentance? It's saying, I am sick and tired of watching the wrong movies that has trash in them and all this sexual stuff over, you know, bad language, stuff that just poisons my mind. I am sick and tired of watching these types of movies. Repentance says this, says, I'm not going to do it anymore. And you turn your back on it. And you say, I'm going to start watching stuff that's pure. If you can find it, good luck. But, you know, I'm going to start finding stuff that I can watch that's uplifting instead of stuff that's going to drag me down. That's repentance, all right? Repentance says, I am sick and tired of cussing and, and saying, you know, getting upset and letting my mouth go off. I am sick of it. I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn away from it, all right? It's not going and confessing to a priest or confessing to God. It's saying, I'm going to stop doing it. That's repentance. So, these, so Peter says, who is the Holy Spirit for? It's the person who repents. They're baptized in water. We're going to have some water baptisms this year for you. All right, they're baptized in water, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This wasn't for just back then. This was for today. God wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit of God. Oh, powerful, man. So as if that wasn't enough, Peter goes on and makes this clear. He says, the promise is for you, all those thousands of people back then. And then he says, it's for your children. And he says, hey, if that's not enough, it's for everybody that's far off. (laughs) All right? Far off in terms of geographical distance and also the distance of time for all who are far off. And if that's not enough, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And let me tell you what, you're here today because God has called you. You're not here because you got up this morning and decided and put on makeup and dressed yourself and you got yourself to church. No, God brought you here today. He brought you here. You're called. And I'm telling you, you're called and God wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit. He wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit. So don't shrink, shrink back and shrink away from this experience. All right. A lot of times we say, well, I I received the Holy Spirit. I've been seeking it for 10 years and I never got it. Well, this is your experience down here. The Bible is promises here. Instead of bringing God down to your experience and shrinking him down to your experience, why don't you let your experience grow up to his promises? All right? And stop having this glass ceiling, the spiritual glass ceiling that you never can get past. Say, in the name of Jesus, your word says that this can happen to me. I want what you have for me. And let your experience grow up. To what God has for you. Almost done here in verse 40 of Acts 2. With many other words, Peter warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. And look at this, about 3 
thousand people were added to their number that day. Holy cow. <laughs> Can you imagine in one day? So, you know, we have like 60, 70 people come and a few online. Can you imagine if all of a sudden we had 3,000 people? What would we do? We'd be out of control. We wouldn't know how to handle that. But I tell you what, God can do in one second what takes us decades to do and maybe never get done. In one second, God can do what seems impossible for you. Absolutely mind-boggling. So stop trying to make things happen yourself and let God's power get the job done. That's faith. That's faith that says, I'm not going to be a control freak anymore. I'm going to let God do the controlling from here on out. All right? So what happens? I'll end with this. What happens when the church, or what happened when the church was baptized in the Holy Spirit And we're just going to read through this. I'm not going to expound on it at all. But look at this. They devoted themselves. After they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. All right? They were in fellowship with each other. You know, the Bible says, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together. And a lot of good Christian folks says, that means you need to be in church every time there's preaching. You know what? You need to be in church every time there's fellowship. That's what the gathering of yourselves together is. And it also includes teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread. They, they ate together. That's why I think it's nice. Every so often, man, we turn Sunday morning into a brunch. And we eat together. And we have church together. And I believe that's extremely meaningful. We're going to do it several times this year. Uh, breaking of bread to prayer. Jesus said, my house is to be a house of prayer. That's why we spend time praying on Sunday morning. Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, because Jesus said, my house is to be a house of prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, all right, and they had everything in common. I want you, we're going to do this on Wednesday night if you come. We're going to compare our church to this description here. (laughs) And we're going to see a lot of shortfalls. We need the Holy Spirit of God to change our church and make it be the way that it was supposed to be. All right? They sold their property and possessions. We're going to get into this one a few weeks down the line a little bit more. To giving everything to, to anyone who had need every day. They continued to meet together in the temple courts. All right? They were glad. They broke home in their, broke bread in their homes. They ate together in glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of people. And God added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. Ooh, man, Life Worth Living Church is like way down here, all right? And a spirit-filled church is way up there. We got a long ways to go. We got a long ways to go. But you know what? God can change us like that. Do we seek to become these things? Well, yes, but more than anything, we seek the infilling of the Holy Spirit so God takes us to the place where we need to be. All right, so you know what? Let's get filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's start seeking. How do you do that? Well, good grief. You know, ask God for starters. Spend a little bit more time praying and saying, God, fill me. I don't even know what that means. I don't know what that's like, but God, fill me with your spirit. And if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit in the past, please pray for refilling to be filled again. It's not just a one-time deal. We need to be filled and refilled and refilled and refilled. 
Let's bow our heads in prayer.